Hello, my darlings. How are you today? I hope your week's going beautifully well, whatever you're up to. So, you know how I'm always out here asking, see begging for reviews? Well, recently I received this absolute beauty. I love this podcast and I find it truly helpful, both about topics I'm interested in and ones I didn't know I would find so interesting. Thank you for that gorgeous little review. As you know, they absolutely make my bloody week. So if you have a mo, please leave me one before you hop off your favorite podcasting app. Anyway, the reason I bring that review up is because I feel like this episode is a perfect example of this because today we're talking privacy. Initially, you might not feel like it's a big concern of yours or perhaps like big companies scraping your data and tracking you is just something we have to accept nowadays. And let me say, I get it. We give out our email address, our phone number, sign up for apps, so they're tracking on our phones and social media. With so many areas of our lives being tracked, keeping your information private can feel absolutely impossible. But my guest today says it's absolutely not. Plus, it's super important that you do, not just for yourself, but for the rights of other people who are in much more vulnerable situations. If you consider yourself an activist or someone who cares about what's going on in the world and doesn't trust politicians to act in your best interest, this is absolutely an episode you need to hear. Since I became pregnant, it's added an extra layer to this for me. I felt even more weird about tech companies scraping the data of my unborn child and what that might enable them to do in the future. We're already seeing some pretty dystopian things happen. And as you're going to hear, this kind of data can give people a lot of control over your life. But there are some really simple and super effective things we can all be doing to protect ourselves and our families. Just before we get to that though, I want to tell you about something else you might not have realized is missing from your life. You know, I'm all about the simple shifts that immediately make life easier, healthier and more enjoyable. Well, Foods is one of them. They take the stress out of meal prepping and take on the mental load of making sure your meals are fresh, healthy and and nutritionally balanced. And if you're looking to make a healthy shift this year when it comes to your food and nutrition, you foods could well be the answer you're looking for. They're always adding new meals and tweaking recipes to keep it more delicious than ever before. And best of all, there's no cooking, no dishes, no cleanup. Every week you choose from 60 meals, let gourmet chefs whip them up for you and have them delivered to your door fresh, never frozen. Make sure you use my code HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L, for up to $200 off your first five boxes. Now on to the show. My guest today is Naomi Brockwell. She's the creator of NBTV, which is a privacy-focused tech channel. She's going to tell you why you should care about this and the simple things you can start doing today to push back against all this tracking. I began by asking Naomi why privacy in particular was her thing. Because I think it's so important. It's not just important for the safety uh, of people all over the world, but it's also important out of principle. And it's also the fundamental basis of a free society. Without privacy, we can't push back when governments start doing things that we don't like. If we're being targeted for our opinion, if we're being targeted because people in power, you know, don't want to be held accountable for whatever reason, that's a scary situation. It's only Mm -hmm. through private communication 
education and being able to cover our tracks online that we can actually participate in the online world without being in danger of repercussions if someone in power doesn't like what we're saying. So it's just fundamentally important for a free society. And you can see that, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's a little theoretical when you talk about it and you're living in a fairly free country and everything's, you know, pretty cruisy. Um, but you suddenly start to, to zoom out and you look at more authoritarian regimes and you just look at how surveillance becomes this ultimate weapon for control. And if we think about the, how the internet works today, it's simultaneously this amazing connector that is lifting people up and raising living standards and giving people access to information like never before, but it's a double-edged sword and it has omnipotent surveillance weaved into its every corner. This is something we need to be aware of as we live our digital lives and we need to start to learn how to navigate this digital world safely and making sure that we retain our fundamental civil liberties. It's super important. Just how much information are we giving away each day inadvertently? And what are some of the ways in which you see people giving away their data in a way that's like particularly breaching to their privacy? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. You can really start to get an idea of this egregious invasion into our lives by looking at how large the data brokerage industry is, yeah. right? We've got this trillion dollar industry that is trafficking our data. They're making a ton of money selling stuff about us. And so that's huge. That tells you that the, there's a lot of information being leaked out there and it's really valuable to companies. So there are all kinds of ways that we're leaking our data. Some of it's of our own volition. You know, we're posting our front door on Facebook and saying, hey, I just bought a new home and here's a picture of my front door key and here's a, the number of the house right there. So there's that. And then, you know, there's more hidden data. So when you're posting pictures to, to social media, do you know what kind of metadata is in your photos? Are you posting your exact geographical location in that? Is the website scrubbing that information before leaking it to the internet or is that being leaked publicly? So if you're posting up selfies saying, hey, I'm at this resort having the best time, did you just give everyone your exact location of where you are at that point in time? So there's information like that. But then we go under the hood, get super techie, and there is, and I think it's insidious, I think it's uh, pretty nefarious behavior because um, companies go out of their way to kind of hide that they're doing this. Mm. But as we use the internet, there are trackers on every website. There are little Facebook pixels that basically, um, you know, put a piece of code in your computer so that Facebook knows that you visited a certain site so that they can target you with ads later. Um, you know, it's not just uh, Facebook doing this. Lots of companies are, are, are doing this sort of thing. They're not just targeting you with consumer products. They're targeting you with content. They're targeting mm. you with political messages. They're targeting mm -hmm. you with, you know, um, uh, nonprofit groups that they think that you should support. They're targeting you with things that serve their agenda. And that's happening constantly. So as you think you're having this very organic internet experience, discovering things on your own, you're being fed a lot of that stuff by the suggested content that's being sent your way um, and, and by other things. So there's a lot going on under the hood. Uh, with all this tracking. 
And a lot of people don't realize that their phones are a big part of this, right? Location tracking is huge. Like there are lots of ways that your phone is tracking your location. What it comes down to is like we... We, we do a lot of things on our devices. We've come to use them in every facet of our lives and we've come to expect constant connectivity. And we've enjoyed that for a while, but we are starting to learn about the trade-offs. And the trade-offs are that it can put us in danger. Um, it can lead us vulnerable to things like manipulation, to targeting. Uh, all of these things are things that we're starting to consider more and more as we use our devices. The amount of data that's been collected, being collected is astounding. But what really shocked me when I've heard you speak about this previously is the way that this data is then being used by our governments. Can you tell me about this? Right. So this, this it's is a wild. whole can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> and we can talk a little bit about some of the rules. Like, you know, ostensibly there are governments that have rules around like, we're not going to co collect data on you or whatever. Mm. But it turns out that like every government is flagrantly violating yeah. these things. Right? Are so, like, we in surprised? The United States, yeah. In the United States, for example, um, you know, the government's not meant to be able to get information on you without a warrant. But it turns out they're just buying a huge chunk of data from data brokers. They, they, you know, I, the government is one of the biggest clients of data brokers. They're just creating all of these permanent records on all of us, these treasure troves of information, uh, filling it with all this data. Um, and data brokers are doing all of the work and making a ton of money because they have this steady income from these governments. And it's not just your government and my government. It's, you know, China's buying this data mm -hmm. and Russia's buying this data. And, you know, you have governments all over the world who you may not even be thinking about. They're buying this data too. They're collecting all of this information. So it's worth keeping in mind. And Let's think about like, how would this be used, right? Because that's an important question because yeah. a lot of people, they feel very safe with their government and they feel like, well, I voted them in, you know, yeah. I like them. I, and I'm not doing anything wrong, so right, it's not a problem exactly. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So take a moment, do a little thought experiment with me. Imagine your least favorite politician, like the worst one. <laughs> oh, we've got loads to choose from here. Across. <laughs> yeah. Just think about the slimiest, most dishonest, most power hungry politician you've ever met. Imagine that one day they get into power and you have enabled this surveillance machine that's collected every piece of information about everyone in perpetuity since the internet has been uh, created. What could they do with that information to target the people that they don't like? Think about the demographics that, you know, they are really trying to target or, or fight against. Think about how dangerous that treasure trove of information might be. Mm -hmm. Maybe it goes back in, in time and maybe laws change. Maybe this person comes into power and decides to outlaw something that they think is, is bad. Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly everyone who's ever done that is now a target. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I mean, look at look at what happened in Hong Kong, right? Yeah. So you had the national security law come into place and overnight journalists were thrown in jail. You had all political opposition parties disbanded. You had mm -hmm. every uh, third party, uh, you, every independent media outlet was disbanded. This all happened immediately after mm -hmm. the introduction of the national security law. So you now think, well, 
the Chinese government has a database of everyone who's attended a protest. Maybe mm -hmm. they use their Oyster card on their transportation system. Maybe they use their Oyster card to pay for goods at a vending machine. They have a record of all of that that can place you at the scene of protests and protesting has just been made illegal, right? Mm -hmm. So you think about the number of people that can now be targeted. It's, it's astounding how this data can in a moment's notice be used against us. And so I think it's naive for people to use the rhetoric, oh, I have nothing to hide. It's like, right, you're making a bet that you and the people in power are always going to stay on good terms. But mm -hmm. historical precedent suggests that that is very unlikely. You just do not have the control to make sure that the people in power are always going to be the good people, the people mm -hmm. that you like. I mean, in America, it swings back and forth from political party oh, yeah. to political party like every other election you know in most countries that sort of thing uh you know happens a lot right so you know like 50 percent of your life is going to be someone that you vehemently disagree with in power but worse what if something happens and there's a there's a disaster and you know never let a good tragedy go to waste as they say and this leads to an uprising of someone who's like oh well we need to consolidate power to fight mm -hmm. and, and come together to fight this threat and maybe that person who comes to power they're banking on this patriotism and all this but what if they're not the person that you realize what if they come to power and suddenly they're like yeah and the real problem is you know demographic x and then mm -hmm. they just start targeting demographic X. And before you know it, you have enabled a system that has kept track of everyone in demographic X for their whole lives. They know what all of their digital habits are. They know where to find them. They know what their entire social network is. It becomes really chilling what might happen. Totally. So this and is and even the circumstances like uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, yeah. women having the right to abortion taken away in the US, I can see yeah. so many use cases where this kind of data could be used against women who find themselves in that situation. It's Absolutely. our duty to not allow that to happen. Absolutely. I mean, you think about apps like period trackers mm -hmm. and suddenly like, where is that data being stored? Is it being stored just on your device? Almost surely not. It's mm -hmm. almost surely being stored in someone's server somewhere. Is it encrypted so that only you can access it? Almost surely not. These apps are never end-to-end -end encrypted. Um, you know, then they never have privacy at the forefront of their design, which means that they have access to it, which means that any government who wants to get access to it can either take it because it's uh, it's fair game because of things like the third party doctrine or they can subpoena it and suddenly a whole demographic is targeted because laws in that state change. Mm -hmm. um, and what previously was seemed perfectly acceptable behavior suddenly is criminal activity. Mm -hmm. So there are all kinds of laws that can change overnight. Uh, and you don't know whether you're always going to be the privileged group that no. just happens to not be targeted by those laws. And then things can change pretty quickly and suddenly you find that you've left a digital trail that you can't clean up. It's too mm -hmm. late to clean that up. You know, I think we need to be proactive about this stuff and realize, actually, we don't need to be handing out this information in the first place. No. <laughs> there are probably end-to-end -end encrypted period trackers out there. There are probably end-to-end -end encrypted any sort of app that you're using out there. You can find out what they are. And that end-to-end -end encrypted means that only you have access to that data. When you use end-to-end -end encrypted messenger, it means that only you and the recipient of that message 
have access to that data. Even if it's going through someone's centralized servers, it's encrypted in a way where they cannot access the contents of it. So finding the services that do put privacy at the forefront and starting to just switch out things you do in your everyday life you know, it becomes habit to me. I, I yeah. find these services, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll start using that one instead. And yep. it's easy enough to just switch over. Um, and it makes me feel so much better knowing that I'm just protecting this stuff. I'm just putting so much less data out in the world than I was, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel really empowered when you realize all these tools that are at our disposal. Totally. And plus then, you know, these companies are looking at what we as consumers want. That's why Apple are advertising this privacy for us. So if we start to use and prioritize the tools that also prioritize privacy, we change the rhetoric. And this is not an inevitable shift where we just have to hand over all of the data and information in our lives that can be used to control us. You know, this, this is something that we absolutely have control of and we can start to do today using simple shifts that don't mean you have to live like a hermit in the forest you can still use the internet you know you can still use all the tools that you want to use but just prioritize using these more privacy focused tools so let's talk about some of these tools um mm -hmm. can i email? mention i just want to mention yeah, something about it. what it, you yeah. just said about like yeah. culture because i yeah. think you're spot on there and that yeah. may be the most important part of this whole conversation because at the mm -hmm. end of the day if you've decided your own privacy isn't worth it that's one thing, right? Yeah. But, but pushing aside the principle of privacy because you don't feel that you need to protect yours is a huge mistake. It basically means that you're in a, in a privileged enough position to not be targeted, to yeah. not have surveillance be a, a tool of oppression against you. And what you need to remember is that not everyone is so fortunate. When yeah. you perpetuate this myth that privacy is not important when you jump on that bandwagon you say things like why should i care you know yeah. privacy is overrated mm -hmm. what you are doing is insidious because you're teaming up with the oppressors the people who are targeting the journalists the people who are targeting the activists the people who are you know targeting that opposition party who are targeting that whistleblower that ngo worker and so by perpetuating this narrative that privacy is not important you are doing all of those people a disservice. You are making them more vulnerable. You're sending a market signal that creates less privacy tools for those who need it most. You are decreasing the number of people in these privacy pools so that, you know, it's harder to obfuscate yourself. Like, for example, if you're hiding in a group of three people, <laughs> it's not going to be hard to figure out which one's you. If you're hiding in a group of a million people, it becomes a lot harder. So this is something that we need to popularize. If you jump on the privacy bandwagon, even if you're not doing it for yourself, even if you don't really see the value of it in your own life, you are helping so many vulnerable people out there. And mm -hmm. I think that is a huge service that you can feel really good about. Totally. And it's an act of defiance and resistance. If you see yourself as a principled activist, this should be something that you care about. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So some of the tools that we can use, one of the biggest, one of the biggest ways that we're giving away our information, often is in the email provider we can use. What switch can we make there? Well, most people are probably using Gmail. Yeah. So let's look at what Gmail is doing, right? 
Gmail is scanning the contents of every email you have ever sent and they are analyzing it. And we don't really know what they're doing with that information, but we absolutely it's not know good. that yeah, that, <laughs> their business model is to make as much money uh, knowing personal things about you as possible. They are primarily an advertising company. And so every email where you're sharing personal details, we know that they are being analyzed. Mm-hmm. So that information, I mean, do you really want the sorts of private things in your email being added to this database about you, to this comprehensive profile? I would just kick Gmail out of your life immediately. I switched to Proton Mail. I think they're great. Um, and when I switched, it was surprisingly easy because yeah. you can literally import your emails into this new provider. Can you can you? import your yeah, you can import your calendar into a new provider. The calendar is another very revealing thing. It shows exactly where you were at all times. Perhaps mm-hmm. you don't want to lose that history. You can just import your entire history Genius. into the Proton calendar. So some reasons why Proton is great, and there are lots of private email providers out there. Tutanota is another great one. But uh, I use Proton, and so I'll explain what their benefits are and why I like them. They use different kinds of encryption to protect your data. And encryption can be a very overwhelming word for people. There are all kinds of different types of encryption. You can think of it just like a digital lock and key. So just switching out your email provider is so much easier than you realize. And um, and I highly recommend that as like a, a big first step. And another you know um, step that you could take to start off with low hanging fruit is how do you message people are you using sms Mm -hmm. that's completely interceptable and in the clear and your cell provider sees everything are you using facebook messenger well (laughs) facebook seeing everything are you using twitter dms you know think about how you're communicating with people and uh and i would switch out to an end-to-end encrypted messenger Uh, i think the most secure one uh is signal i really like them but there are others that are very interesting like threema is a paid service um ultimately i think it comes down to network effect you really want to be on the messenger that has the most people so that like if you say hey message me on this platform yeah um there's more chance that they're going to be on that platform signal is incredibly popular so you would probably be surprised how many of your friends are already on there and if yeah, they're not I use signal convince them yeah convince yeah them. Uh, i i convinced my entire family and friendship group everyone is on on signal and actually i refuse to message people outside of that people know that they cannot get access to me on facebook and or anywhere else i just won't respond yeah which is a great thing to do like we shifted our friend group chat over to signal our family group chat over to signal because you're sending really personal on private things you know like friends are getting pregnant they're sending baby scans like you know you're sending um pictures of letters id like this is all really revealing information and if you're looking to make another easy shift this year when it comes to making a huge difference in your life, I want to tell you about you foods. When it comes to eating healthily, they could well be the simple shift you're looking for. They take the mental load of meal prepping and deliver gourmet, nutritionally balanced meals, fresh, never frozen, right to your door. All you do is hop online and choose what you like the look of from over 60 meals that constantly being tweaked and added to so they're more delicious than ever before. 
It's certainly taken the load off my life. And it's great having such a variety for my lunches when I'm working from home and even not having to think about dinner in the week. Damn, it's good. Make sure you use my code HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L, for up to $200 off your first five boxes. And one of the other things that I forgot to mention when we were talking about uh, how the government use um, your data is that we mustn't forget that individual people within these organizations also have access to use and absolutely abuse this data, right? Yeah. This is quite a common thing. It happens all the time. There's like this guy, there's, there are famous cases of this egregious abuse and that's that's just what we know about, you know? Yeah. Police officers who use backdoors into Snapchat to, you know, get nudes of women and then extort them. You've got people who, like, I mean, the NSA, it was so common for people to use their surveillance tools to look up romantic interests or current lovers that they coined a term for it. They called it love int. How so I mentioned OSINT before, like open source intelligence. So there are different kinds of intelligence. There's SIGINT, you know, signals intelligence. They coined the phrase love int as oh. the the process of nah. looking up, you know, romantic interests uh, using their surveillance tools. It's gross. It's really, really gross. Um, so it is actually helpful to remember that these entities are made up of individuals mm -hmm. and there are bad people everywhere. Yeah. Um, not just, you know, criminals who go to jail and all that, but in law yeah. enforcement as well, um, yeah. in the government as well. There are bad, you just can't get away from people who are going to abuse it. So if you create a system that allows privileged access for a group of people, it will be abused. Totally. It will be, you know, taken advantage of by, by these bad people so just be aware of that you know government is not this this entity this faceless mm -mm. entity it's just a bunch of people Totally. And I think more and more people are realizing that now. Um, one of the other very telling things that I was absolutely shocked to find out was when I heard you that you said that one of the big heads of the NSA left the NSA and then moved over to, over to Amazon. Right. And took all that, like, so it's like just data collection 101, right? Yeah, there's so much of that happens. This revolving door where, um, you know, the, the, these big tech companies and they're being, being regulated by these government officials and the government officials leave office and then join these big tech firms. So Keith Alexander. He was uh, he went on to um, to join the board of, of Amazon and it just yeah it happens a lot. We have to realize. I mean, we sometimes think of data collection as very different when it happens by government versus you know the private sector. Mm. This used to be the case. It mm. used to be the case that when I went to the video store to rent a VHS. They were not connected to the internet. They were putting something locally in their database. And if the government wanted access to that data, they had to specifically subpoena that company. They had to get like a physical copy and send it to them. It was a whole process. So there was a real division between government and private sector collecting information. Right now, that has been completely eliminated not only through pervasive surveillance programs, so things like PRISM that gives the government backdoor access to the servers of these companies where they can literally just siphon that data you know, directly, 
We've got other, you know, full take collection programs like Tempura in the UK, for example. You know, there are all kinds of ways that the government is is just intercepting packets on the internet. But on top of that, we've got this thing called the third party doctrine, which says that you do not have a reasonable expectation of privacy if you give your data to a third party. And again, if you go back to the 70s, maybe this wasn't such a bad thing when this precedent kind of came up in the courts in the United States. But the entire internet operates with third parties. It's Mm. all someone else's computer that your data is stored on. So what this precedent basically says is you do not have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And what are the ramifications of this? Well, generally, the government will need a warrant to get information about you. If they want to know where you were at a specific time, they have to provide that warrant, they have to make that case, they have to get that you know, order stamped and approved to make sure it's legit. What happens now? They can just go to whoever collected that information, whether it was an app or whether it was a, a service, an online cloud provider, they go directly to them and they don't even need a warrant. They can mm-hmm. say, we would like this information. And actually, If that company wants to voluntarily hand it over about you, they completely can. They (laughs) do all the the time. Which they do all the time. And why do they do that all the time? There are a lot of reasons, but the government has a lot of leverage tools in their pocket. Mm -hmm. They can threaten companies with antitrust Mm -hmm. suits. They can threaten them with, you know, um, overreaching regulation if they don't comply. Sometimes companies just think they're doing the right thing and they just Mm. hand this over and they don't actually realize how even these requests are abused, right? Mm -hmm. It's sometimes not even law enforcement that's collecting this data. Sometimes it's hackers that are literally just spoofing the email addresses of law enforcement uh, departments and emailing tech companies and saying we have an emergency request for data and these tech companies you know if it's an emergency they don't want to stand in the way of mm-hmm. bad people getting caught so they hand over that data and it turns out that actually it wasn't law enforcement at all it was it was hackers so there are all kinds of ways that these systems we've set up are being abused it's not a good situation what it comes down to is we need to start protecting ourselves and there are ways to protect ourselves is if the system is rigged against us because of just poor thought and you know insufficient security um, Uh, protections we need to protect ourselves but Mm -hmm. the great thing is the inspiring thing about living today is there are so many tools out there that allow us to protect ourselves if I use end-to-end encrypted products that data is safe I don't need to worry about it being leaked someday Uh, I can protect myself and that's empowering Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And we were talking about some of those tools before I took you off on that (laughs) tangent, which I really enjoyed. But one of the other things that we uh, often talk about is our web browsers and our search engines, because again, as with our email, a lot of us are using those Google suite products that again, are just scraping that data, building that bigger picture, allowing us to be tracked and manipulated. So what about web browsers and search engines? What are some of the alternatives? Right. So web browsers, just to clarify, because a lot of people kind of think they're the same thing because we have the search bar built into browsers these days. So the browser, you can think of like the car that's getting you there. And then the search engine is like the map that you're looking at. So um, Google is the search engine and then Chrome is the browser, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, 
And both of these tools are abhorrent for privacy. Absolutely yes. abhorrent. So Google Chrome is one of the most egregious offenders when it comes to collecting your data. Shocker. You know how you get those predictive search results? You'll be typing in Naomi Brockwell is, and it'll yeah. come up with a whole list of options. How is it able to do that? Because every keystroke that you're putting in there is immediately sent off to Google, which means that you don't even need to press enter. Like you could look up, how do I get rid of chlamydia? Oh, you know, I don't <laughs> want to search that, delete, delete. That's already been sent to Google, right? <laughs> That's been sent. So, um, you know, Google, you just, just stop using it. There are other search yeah. engines that work just as well now. I have completely eliminated Google search from my life, which feels yeah. great. I yeah. use Brave Search. Same. Brave is both uh, yeah, a browser and a search engine. So uh, Brave, Brow Brave Browser has Brave Search enabled by default in the URL bar if you wanted to use that. And the reason mm -hmm. I like them is because they're a privacy first browser yeah out of the box i think it has the best privacy protections of any browser mm -hmm. um and when i say out of the box i mean that there are other browsers where you can tweak settings yeah. and you can harden it in certain ways and add certain plugins and keep all of that updated most people don't want to have to worry about that they just yeah. want to use a product and by default it's looking after their privacy so mm -hmm. i think brave is fantastic for that they do things like they stop bounce tracking they um will clean urls to get rid of tracking links before you click on them they do mm. all kinds of awesome things to just minimize the digital exhaust you're leaving behind them and then brave search is uh their native search and i think it does a really great job i maybe like once a month there might be something i can't find on brave search and there are plenty of others that you can use so yeah. start page is like a private front end for google so if yeah. you wanted to keep using google you could use start page and yeah, right. uh, and that basically provides a buffer between you and uh and google which is great you can do the same thing when you watch youtube you could watch that through all of these you know private front ends that just help you protect some of your your data um there are all kinds of of different privacy tools out there that create those buffers you just gotta you just gotta know that they're there and and start to use them yeah, genius. I'm, I've been using Brave for a long time and you genuinely won't even notice the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's brilliant. And you know, when you open it up, it tells you how many trackers and ads have been blocked. Yeah. Mine says 214,229 trackers ad and ads blocked. So it really works. It's really great. And it's so simple and you won't mm -hmm. even notice the difference. It's brilliant. Well, actually, oh, yeah. you will notice the difference for the better because yeah, it's quicker, people right? don't, yeah, people don't realize that their bandwidth is taken up when they use normal web browsers ah. that don't block this stuff. Like when you go to a web page, you know how it takes that split second to load and yeah. in that time, like the article will appear and then like these empty boxes will be and then suddenly yeah. they'll fill up. What's happening in that time period? Well, probably Google owns those boxes and they're saying, hey, Naomi is looking at this page right now. She is X years old. She has red hair. She's originally from Australia. She has these interests. Who wants to bid on the chance of, you know, her getting her eyeballs, getting her attention while she's on this page? And all of these companies will go, I want that information. I want that information. And then the box will be filled with the winning bid and that ad will pop up specifically for you because Google or whichever company's facilitating that will sell it. Let's also take a step back. So, you know, just to you know, tie up that loose end, 
that yeah. means that that is taking up a lot of bandwidth as those servers are pinged and that ad is putting in and like a lot of stuff's going on behind the scenes. So if you just block that, your experience actually becomes more seamless. It becomes yeah. faster. Um, you're using less data. But let's also talk about the information about you that is shared in that process. So you'll notice that I said, oh, Naomi is on this website. This is all the information about her. Who wants to bid? Of course, yeah. They're sharing your information without even selling it to thousands of companies. Every time you go to these pages, and think of how many boxes are on every page, and this is happening so many times a day. Like you would, you would be completely flabbergasted by the amount of information that's being just just broadcast. They call it the fire hose of information that's being broadcast about that everything they know good. about you. And thousands of companies are collecting it. So if you could just like block that system from mm -hmm. taking place every time you go to a website, you're doing a tremendous amount of good for your privacy. And so one of the things that I found recently, um, my husband and I have been like applying for new apartments, you know, um, moving house, and that requires a lot of um, sharing of data to people who you don't really know. So like they'll want your email, they'll want your mobile number, sometimes your address. Um, and then I, you just get bloody bombarded with scam texts and all these things. And so your data has been sold. How can we avoid that happening? Are there ways in which we can not hand out that data or hand out different data? Absolutely. So I use email aliases for everything. I will not give, you know, two people the same that. email address. Yeah. And it seems annoying. You'll be like, oh, well, I'd have to create a new email. How would I remember every... it? Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, you absolutely don't. You can just hand these out on the fly. Um, so I use a service called Simple Login. Yeah. And it is owned by Proton Mail. And yeah. every time I need, every time I do something online and I need an email address, I'll just go generate a new one. And it might be like, give me a company, um, Bank of America. It'll yeah. be like Bank of America, you know, some jargon string at simplelogin.com. Yeah. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, and so I use a different one for every service. And what this means is that if I then start getting emails addressed to Bank of America, you know who it whatever, is. And, and what if it's not from them? What if it's from, you know, the corner store? What if it's from a you know, travel company? I know that they've sold my data and yes. I can literally just switch off that email address and I no longer Genius. get, uh, get those emails. And all of this just gets forwarded to my main inbox. So I don't have to check multiple accounts. It's all just going to the same place. It's just like using different addresses, you know, to get to that same place. So I think email addresses are a really powerful tool. I also mm. have a lot of custom domains where I have catch-alls. Yeah. A catch-all is something you can set up on a domain. Like let's say you own the domain ilovechocolate.com <laughs> yeah. and someone sends you an email, you know, admin at ilovechocolate.com. Let's say they spell it one letter off and they wrote admin at whileofchocolate.com. A catch-all is something that's kind of designed to prevent um, this being an issue. You know, yeah, a right. catch-all means it will catch every email addressed to ilovechocolate.com regardless of what the front bit is. So you can have multiple different domains that have, a, you, and you just come up with a different, you know, 
thing before the at sign on the fly. So you don't even have to like generate things in advance. If you're in a store and they're like, hey, Starbucks wants your email, you could say, oh, Starbucks at ilovechocolate.com. And yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that it, you will go, get to your email um, inbox. And again, if you start getting spam, you can now just block any email coming to that address. Um, so these are tools you can do. Uh, phone numbers work the same way, but yeah, unfortunately, right. Every country has its own telecommunication laws mm -hmm. around this. Some countries are really, really strict yeah. around this because they do not want people getting access to VoIP numbers. It basically, in the modern age, you can get all of your telephone calls via the internet through what's called a VoIP number, voice over IP number. But some countries are like, listen, we don't want you to be able to do that. Because if you do that, you know, perhaps you're not talking to cell towers the same way. Perhaps they're not, you know, yeah, logging right. your IMZ, um, and we're not be able to keep track of you the same way. And so we, we're not going to allow this. But in America, for example, there are lots of services, like there's an app called MySudo, which I love. Mm. Um, and you can just get all of these different numbers and oh. use a different number for different services. So in my app, and they all just get sent to my phone the same way that a normal call would, um, but just via the internet. And so like if I get a call and it's associated with my government number, then I know, mm. oh, I should probably pick this up. If yeah, I get a right. call that's associated with merchants, purchases, yeah. I'm like, mm, probably don't need to pick that up. It's probably spam. If yeah. I get a call that says, you know, friends and family, I'm probably going to pick that up because that's a number I only ever give to friends and family. So Genius. I have like 18 different numbers where I silo all of these different things. They all go to the same app. I just get the calls routed through there, messages routed through there, and I can determine whether or not it's something I want to waste my time on based on like which profile it's associated with. I love it because, you know, you go to these stores now and they, um, you know, they don't even ask, can I have your email address? They're like, what's your email address? And they're shocked every yeah. time I go, no, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to give you my email address. Right. Oh, okay. It's, it's like, like that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Stop handing over your damn email address yeah. to everybody that you buy things from. Well, it's a huge issue because you talked about them selling the data, but also think about all the data breaches out yes. there. So let's say, I mean, your your doctor's office almost surely has had a data breach. It's yep. like constant that it's happening. You have um, uh, people doing ransomware all over the place and yeah. you're probably not told about it because they generally don't disclose this stuff mm. but your data is all over the dark web it's yeah. all, absolutely yeah without yeah. a doubt if you've ever used facebook google apple linkedin like any of these services totally. your information's already all over the dark web so what does that mean well do you have a unique identifier associated with any of those things did you give them your one single email address you use for everything did you give them your one single phone number you use for mm. everything well great you've just made it really easy to search for private information about you in these databases because you just need to type in one of these identifiers that ties together all your online activity mm. and it immediately will come up with all these things whereas you know what if they're searching for what if you use a different email address for everything and your LinkedIn, all your LinkedIn data is released and all of your medical data is released and they're looking in these data breaches for information about you? Well, what, what email address are they going to search for? Like, is mm. it going to be Starbucks at ilovechocolate.com? Is it going to be a Bank of America at ilovelucy.com? Like, 
by not having this single unique identifier associated with everything, suddenly you become a lot safer online mm. because people who are scraping these data breaches can't find that personally identifiable information. It becomes harder for them to commit identity theft. It becomes harder for them to extort you. It becomes harder for them to target you. And so these are all things that we can just put in our arsenal that are super easy today. They weren't mm. super easy 10 years ago, but today there are all kinds of tools that easily allow you to create these online aliases. We just got to learn how to use them and just start by default, you know, generating a new new thing every time we, we go out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of think of it like a Kleenex, right? Just stop using the same Kleenex over and over because it gets really gross and dirty. Just get a new one each time and just kind of sanitize your digital life. It's going to be way healthier for you. Totally. I love it. If people only take away one thing from our conversation, what do you want them to take away? Privacy is important. I think that we need to just shift from this mindset of thinking it doesn't apply to us, that, you know, this is something we can ignore. We can't ignore it anymore. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, people often only change their minds about this when they're personally affected. Let me tell you, once you're personally affected by some of this stuff, you're going to wish that you had put preventative measures in place. And people don't realize how common scams are, how common Mm -hmm. being targeted is, how common, you know, um, having all of your data leaked and being targeted by countless other entities are out there. Um, All of this stuff is really important to be mindful of. And if there's one takeaway, it's just, you know, stop, stop spreading this awful smear that privacy is not important, that privacy is just for bad guys, that privacy is just for criminals, that privacy is only for interesting people. None of that is true. Privacy is is essential for a free society. Privacy is essential for people in really vulnerable positions who are being persecuted. Mm -hmm. Privacy is something we cannot afford to let slip through our grasps and it's dangerously close to slipping through our grasps in in the digital age so help change that narrative help change culture and let's just reinvigorate the fight around privacy absolutely i love it thank you so much naomi i really appreciate you sparing me the time Thanks so much for having me. Naomi Brockwell is the creator of NBTV, a privacy-focused tech channel. She also has a book on this topic for beginners. So if you're interested in this and you want some more tips, definitely check that out via the link in the show notes. And you can find her on Instagram, TikTok, all the social media platforms. Um, And she just hands out these really useful, simple tips, um, much like she did today, on the little things that you can start doing to push back against all this trend. As you know, this episode is brought to you by my dear friends at U Foods. If you're looking to make a healthy shift this year, they could well be the simple switch you're looking for. Give them the mental load of meal prepping and they'll deliver gourmet, nutritionally balanced meals, fresh, never frozen, right to your door. All you do is hop online, choose what you like the look of from over 60 meals that are constantly being tweaked and added to so they're more delicious than ever before. And don't forget, my code is HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L, for up to $200 off your first five boxes. Now, next week, 
our dear friends at You Foods have delivered you with an extra bonus episode. It's with Jennifer Heiss. She is absolutely awesome and I know you're going to love her. She's an expert in brain health and she's published a book called Move the Body, Heal the Mind and it's all about how exercise can help with some of the common mental health issues we're struggling with and how even if that isn't a concern of yours, if you just want to feel a bit happier, if you just want to boost your mental health, how to go about doing that and the particular exercise that's going to help you to do that, plus how to stay consistent with it, which is a really big thing for me on my list this year. So make sure you join me next week. There's going to be two episodes, one with um, Jennifer Heiss and another fabulous episode. So make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and that way you'll get a notification every time a new episode drops i'm so grateful to you for joining me thank you so much don't forget you can find me on youtube now too how cool was that i've learned how to edit <laughs> video as well as i've been doing audio for a while now but i've learned how to edit video um and i have to say it's going quite well if i do say so myself but make sure you check it out because some of those uh automated fades and fancy effects that i've put on there you're gonna love it i feel like i'm back uh, rifling through the clip art files when I do this so make sure you check it out uh, you can just search that's helpful at YouTube wherever you like to search probably not Google after today am I right anyway I'm Ed Stott and I sincerely hope that's helpful